are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. We've got two scripture readings this morning. The first one is from Luke chapter 2, verses 33 through 35. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Our second scripture reading is Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 through 5. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Well, thanks, Aaron, for reading scripture for us this morning. Last Sunday, Aaron had to tune in from work. He's one of our frontline workers serving in law enforcement. And Aaron, we're so grateful for what you do. And good to have you with us this morning to share scripture. Today, we're honoring a different kind of frontline worker. And that's the one that we call mom. Like many of you, I've been home now lately working for the past however many weeks. And so I've had this up-close look at what my wife has done all these years to keep our home going. You know, I'm usually gone all day at the office at the Y. And here I've been in my appreciation for who my wife is and what she does just continues to climb. So today, I honor my wife, Esther. I honor my mother, Sonia, and my 90-year-old grandma, Bunny, thinking of her today. In our study of scripture this morning, we're also going to focus on a mom, arguably the most famous mom in all of history, Mary, the mother of Jesus. But today I'm going to challenge us to go beyond the typical image of Mary at Christmas time, where we have this peaceful, idyllic scenario that maybe we see in a nativity scene, and to look at what Mary's life was really like. We're in the middle of our message series called Through the Valley, what the Bible says about suffering. And today it's going to be Mary, the mother of Jesus, who shows us how to live when life is painful, how to trust the Lord even when we don't understand where he's leading us. So with that, let's look to Luke chapter 2. I hope you have it open there in front of you. This scene from the temple with Simeon is where we're looking today. Jesus is a baby, and his parents are going through the process that faithful Jewish parents would have completed at their time and in their culture. One of the steps was to bring their son to the temple in Jerusalem and to present him before the Lord. And that's what they're doing here when the Holy Spirit stirs the heart of an old man named Simeon. Luke 2.25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
And so the Holy Spirit prompts Simeon to go to the temple, and he arrives at the same time as this couple and their baby. And the Holy Spirit tells Simeon, that's the consolation of Israel. That's the one that you've been waiting for. And it says that Simeon then took the baby in his arms, which I imagine might have been a little bit awkward and concerning for Mary and Joseph with this complete stranger, but they figured it out, however it happened. And so Simeon is holding Jesus and speaking words of praise to God and prophecy over this child. And then we get to what we read today in our scripture reading. Verse 34 says, Then Simeon blessed them, the parents, and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then this line, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's his last line to Mary. A sword will pierce your own soul too. So what does that mean? If we know the story, we might jump ahead to Mary standing there at the cross as Jesus is dying, and she's standing next to the disciple John. And we'll get there. I mean, that scene is certainly a culminating part of her story. But I want to suggest to you that Mary's suffering was not just at the cross at the end, but was spread across the years of her life in many different ways. And I want to show you some examples of that this morning in a second. But first, before we leave this portion, this phrase from Simeon, already gives us some clues as to the depth and extent of her sorrow. You see, in Greek, the language of the New Testament, there were different words for different kinds of swords. When we started to think of baby names years ago, I was in seminary, kind of on the home stretch, and Esther and I were jotting down possibilities for names. And I told her I thought the Greek word makaira would be a great name for a girl. It's the word for a short sword. So picture something like a dagger. And I thought, well, it's this strong name, Makaira, for a strong little girl. And my wife says, no, we're not going to name our daughter after one of your Greek flashcards. And I thought, that's a fair point. But the word that Simeon uses here for sword is very telling. It's the Greek word Ramphira. The Ramphira was a very large, broad, two-edged sword. And so if the Makaira was Peter Pan's little knife, I want you to picture the Ramphaya as something more like Braveheart. And Simeon uses this word to paint a graphic picture and show that Mary's pain would be significant. Simeon says to her, a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that word for soul is also worth noting. You see, in their culture, the soul was considered the seat of all emotion. Your soul is where the emotions reside. And so often when we think about pain, we think in terms of physical pain, but what we're going to see in Mary's life is the emotional pain that she endured. One scholar said the figure points to Jesus bringing extreme emotional pain to his mother. And that's something so many of us can relate to, emotional pain. And we're going to see that displayed across Mary's life. We have a number of these brief little scenes that pop up throughout the Gospels where we get a glimpse into what Simeon must have meant. The first one I want to show you comes up actually just a few verses later in Luke 2. It's when Jesus is 12 years old 
and he goes missing when his family is making that long trek back home from Jerusalem. Now, if you've ever lost a child, even just for a minute, I mean, it is a one-of-a-kind, terrifying feeling. You know, whenever our phones go off and you get one of those Amber Alerts that pops up, my heart just sinks and you're praying for the safety of this child. And I can't imagine if it was my own child who would pop up on the screen. And what I want us to see here is that Jesus wasn't just missing for a few minutes or an hour. He was missing for three days. And imagine the agony of those days and nights on the heart of Mary. She and Joseph finally do find their son in Jerusalem in the temple. And there you start to see the beginning of Jesus stepping away and understanding his identity as the son of God. Luke 2.48 says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And can you hear the pain in her voice? And then what does Jesus say? What's his response? Does he say, oh, mom, I'm so sorry. I should have been more careful. I'll never do that again. No, he says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And it says in the text, they did not understand what he was saying to them. This was the beginning of the sword that would pierce Mary's soul. Let me take us to another example. Jesus' first miracle, the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2. Jesus had started his ministry now. He's about 30 years old at this point. And they're at this wedding where the wine runs out. So maybe it's a relative or something. We don't know exactly. But Mary lets Jesus know that the wine has run out. And this was a big problem because it would bring public shame on the groom and his family and their culture. So Mary is trying to get this fixed. And she says to Jesus, basically, look, if anybody could do anything about this, Jesus, it's you. And what does Jesus say to his mother? Does he say, oh, gee, mom, you've always believed in me. Yeah, thanks for letting me know. Let's get this taken care of. No. He says to his mom, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now we should point out, Woman was not a disrespectful address in their language, like it certainly could be in ours. But what Jesus says here is definitely a sort of rebuke. And there's just this tense moment here between mother and son. And she turns then to the servants and says, do whatever he says. And at least in this story, mom got her way and Jesus turns water into wine. But it is another little glimpse of what it must have meant to be the mother of Jesus and experience the strain in this relationship. A couple more examples. The next one would be in Matthew 12, where Jesus is speaking in a house that is just stuffed with people, packed to the gills. And it says that his mother and brothers came to speak to him, but they wait for him outside. And it's actually Mark's account that says they came to take charge of him because they said he is out of his mind. So someone gets the message into the house to Jesus and announces, hey, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And what does Jesus say? Does he say, oh, hey, guys, I better go see what they want. I'll be right back. No, he says, who are my mother and my brothers? And the room is dead quiet when he says that. 
And it says, he looked at those seated around him and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And you and I are in such a different culture. It is hard for us to feel the full weight of those words. But let me tell you, in a strong group culture in Jesus' day, what he says there is absolutely stunning. I mean, family was sacred. Your bloodline was everything. And Jesus turns it upside down, and his mother is left outside waiting. It reminds me of another scene in Luke 11, where there's a woman who calls out from the crowd to Jesus and says, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you which might sound strange to us, but this is a huge Hebrew compliment to Jesus and his mother. And what does Jesus say back to her? Does he say, hey, thank you. I'll I'll be sure to pass that along to her. You're right. My mom's the best. No. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Time and again, we get these little snapshots of what it must have meant to be Jesus' mother. Luke commentator Daryl Bach says, Jesus' ministry will bring choices that will be hard for Mary to bear. And that's exactly right. What we see in the Gospels is the pain of Jesus' ministry upon Mary. The fact that he has to set other priorities and create his own family of disciples. There is a pulling away, not a disrespect, but a differentiation as Jesus lives out the purposes for which he came. And that takes us ultimately, doesn't it, to the cross, the culmination of Mary's sword-pierced soul. John 19, we have this powerful scene, and I'm just going to read a few verses from there for us. Verse 25 says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that's the youngest disciple, John. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, it says, this disciple took her into his home. And surely this is the scene with Mary at the cross that the sword was plunged to the hilt. If only she had known all those years ago when the angel first came and said, Do not be afraid. I think there was probably suffering at the cross that only Mary could have known. There's one other detail here that we want to catch, and that is that Jesus commends his mother to John's care. This is one of the indications we have that Mary had also lost her husband. Now, we see Joseph in that scene when Jesus is 12, but then he never appears again. And the consensus is that sometime between when Jesus was 12 and 30, that Joseph must have died. And that's why when Jesus is upon the cross, he places the care of his mother into John's household. And I say this just to point out how familiar Mary was with pain and loss. She had already buried her husband. And now she's there as her son is horribly executed and gasping for air. And yet, Mary remained faithful. 
We get one last glimpse of her before she fades from the pages of Scripture, and it's in Acts chapter 1. So this is after Easter, after Jesus has appeared for 40 days and ascended to heaven, and the apostles are gathered together in Jerusalem, and it says in Acts 1.14, this is the last mention of Mary, they all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She's still there. Following Jesus, not as a mother tends to her son, but as a disciple follows her Savior. Mary is never mentioned again in the New Testament, not in the rest of Acts or the early church, not in any of the epistles. She finished as she began, a humble servant of the Lord. And so what do we learn? What do you and I learn from Mary as we walk through our own valley? I want to speak to mothers just briefly and then make application for all of us. During my pastoral internship in Southern California, I remember the first funeral I went to, to shadow Pastor Buchhorn, to learn how to do funerals. And the one that I went to was a military funeral. This was the time of the Iraq War. And the funeral was for a young American corpsman who was attached to a Marine unit. And they hit an IED buried in the ground. And this young man died on the spot. And I'll never forget seeing the grief of his family at the funeral. The grief of his mother at his burial. Some of you mothers have experienced the kind of pain that is unique to a mother's heart. Some of you have lost a child. Some of you have been widowed. Some of you have watched your sons and daughters walk away from you or scorn your love. Some of you have lived or do live many physical miles or many emotional miles away from your children. There are aspects of motherhood that are painful, especially on Mother's Day and especially this year. Now, for all of us, we're experiencing a Mother's Day this year where many of us can't be with our mothers and our grandmothers because of the restrictions. And there's pain in that. You might be wondering this morning, well, when will I get to see my mom again and give her a hug and hold her hand? Some of you today are remembering mothers who have passed away, maybe even just in this last year, and this is your first Mother's Day without her. Some of you lost your mother many, many years ago, but the reality of that loss is still felt today. Others have complicated relationships with your mother, maybe even grieving what you never had in a mom. This could be due to alcoholism or an abusive home environment, the strain of a divorce, whatever the case might have been. Others have never known who their birth mom was because your story is one of adoption. And let's not forget those on Mother's Day who long to become a mother but aren't sure if it'll ever happen. Those who long to meet a spouse or who now as a couple are in the valley of infertility where even coming to church or being at a family gathering can be painful because you feel the ache of what for you is unfulfilled. I hope that as we look at Mary today, You take heart from someone who knew a lot of pain and yet trusted the Lord in the middle of it. Secondly, as we look at Mary today, 
we see someone who is described as pondering the things of God. Two different places in Luke 2, it says that she treasured up all these things, these moments with Jesus. Perhaps one of the reasons that Mary was well-suited to become the mother of the Messiah is that from a young age, she was practicing the presence of God. Like we read about in Psalm 42 this morning, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after you. That was Mary. It's really only God's grace that assigns her this role in his divine plan. We have to remember that. This isn't something Mary earned in any way. But there were apparently attributes to her life that caused her to be called favored. I think as a peasant girl, Mary was learning, even at that young age, how to fix her eyes and train her thoughts on the Lord. And we see this in her response to the angel. I read an article this week by Dr. Janelle Ijen, who said, in our contemporary culture, sustained attention and interior quiet are severely challenged. And I underlined that and I thought to myself, that's exactly what Mary had, a sustained attention and interior quiet that were set on the Lord. You know, for you and I, the length and duration of this pandemic is really setting in, isn't it? I mean, I actually Googled this week how to cut your own hair. And then I'm looking at this and it's like this still small voice says, don't do it. (laughs) And so I haven't yet, but we'll see what happens. Regardless though of timelines and reopening, the ripple effect of all this will certainly be felt for a long time. And grief, pain, and suffering can be a lot like that too. The ripple effect can be felt down through the years. When Simeon said to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. She was just a young mom. By the time she stood at the cross, she had buried her husband and suffered greatly for her son. The lines on her face were set in. Her forehead was creased with grief and her eyes were stained by many tears. But Mary finished as she began. She had said at the start of all this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And it was. And it will be for you. Your plans might not be shaping up right now how you thought. Your faith is being tested. Perhaps the sword has taken aim at your soul. But God's word to you, I want you to hear this morning, will never fail. He has given you today. And today is a day to serve the Lord and treasure him up with all your heart. Let's go to prayer now together. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, We do long after you, like one of our white-tailed deer that you made. We're looking, Lord, for a quiet stream these days to be with you and to drink from living water. I pray, Lord, for each one of us who is praying with us right now, wherever we're at, that you would teach us what it means to be faithful in hardship, to humbly serve you, to wait on you, to treasure you.
For Lord, only you can satisfy what we long for. So we pray that you, this new week, would be our strength and our shield, not just this week, but all the days of our life. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.